was while I was at Catholic Central that Gerald Ford went into the office of president. I had been conditioned by that time to believe that I had no place to run and no place to hide. This is a, a phrase that's, that's used to lock in mind control victims of, of varying levels. That there's no place to run, no place to hide. We're watching you. I certainly felt like I had no place to run and no place to hide. Who would I turn to? I couldn't turn to my parents. I couldn't turn to my church. Couldn't turn to my school. Couldn't turn to the local politicians. And now I couldn't even turn to the President of the United States. I truly felt locked in, which is exactly what they wanted for total control of my mind. Of course, since then, I've learned otherwise. And Mark wisely taught me while I was in the deprogramming process that I did have a place to run. So right at them. And I had no need to hide. Obviously, they do, by the way. They're covering up all their acts with the national security blanket. After I graduated from high school, Senator Byrd ordered that I be transferred to Nashville, Tennessee. Nashville, Tennessee was heavily involved in uh, mind control at that time through the country music industry. And above all, the, the proliferation of CIA cocaine operations within the country music industry were already in full swing. The political corruption in Tennessee was just all the way to the top. The um, country music industry provided a cover for mind control slaves like myself to be taken around the country to the various places as designated and also to distribute and deliver the large quantities of CIA cocaine that was coming into the country. It's my experience that the CIA's so-called war on drugs is no more than the CIA eliminating their competition as they take over the drug industry worldwide. They took their war on drugs to our street corners and turned our streets into a bloodbath. The country music industry provided the cover for distributing the cocaine, so Senator Byrd wanted me to be within the country music industry. Besides that, he fancied himself an entertainer of sorts, and he fiddled on the Grand Ole Opry from time to time. When I was first sent to Nashville, he was playing on the Opry that night, and he had a musician behind him, a guy named Wayne Cox. Wayne Cox later told me that playing music behind Senator Byrd wasn't the only way that he backed him, but that he backed him politically as well. After the Opry that night, I endured an occult ritual again. Occultism is oftentimes used as a trauma base for mind control. Who can comprehend that kind of a trauma? A blood ritual is absolutely horrible. And it's a perfect trauma base for mind control, for the compartmentalization of memory. I witnessed Wayne Cox murder a railroad bum down at Nashville's Union Station. It was abandoned at that time, and there were, there were bums around. And he shot him right between the eyes and cut off both of his hands, which was Cox's M.O. for murder. After this blood ritual, this horrible trauma, I was programmed that Wayne Cox would be my first handler in MK Ultra Mind Control. As my handler, Wayne Cox would, would follow Senator Byrd's directions and instructions. And above all, 
he would be subjecting me to more trauma sufficient to satisfy the numerous compartments Senator Byrd wanted developed in my brain for mind control programming, programming so that I could carry out various operations during the Reagan-Bush administration. I endured numerous occult rituals after that. Wayne Cox at that time was working directly under the direction of Louisiana Senator Jay Bennett Johnston, and he took me to his hometown in Chatham, Louisiana. Jay Bennett Johnston at that time was heavily involved in mind control operations because he was running an, a band of mercenaries out of Louisiana. At that time, this band of mercenaries were um, going in and out of, of South America. There was a lot of arms deals going on. There was, and, and, and most importantly, when the airplanes would fly these guys down to South America, they would come back full of cocaine, which was being distributed on our streets. Wayne Cox was triggering these mercenaries into operation by showing them a severed hand from another one of his victims, which re-traumatized them into um, the occult ritual that they had already endured and accessed a specific compartment of their brain. And he told them that Jay Bennett Johnston wanted them to give him a hand and carry out a certain operation. He would then give the instructions and the guys would follow him through. So Jay Bennett Johnston was, was heavily involved. At that time, it was 1978, and it was determined that I had endured sufficient trauma to carry out my first trial run operation. An enormous quantity of cocaine had been flown in on one of these operations that was to deliver it into the neighboring state of Arkansas. By that time, Bill Clinton's drug operation was in full swing. He was governor of Arkansas and had delivered this cocaine to a remote airport in Washita Forest, which I've since identified as MENA Airport. I also delivered a little packet of information and a small quantity of cocaine, a personal stash from J. Bennett Johnston to Bill Clinton. I delivered it to Bill Clinton, and he cut out two lines of the coke, and he did inhale. <laughs> that certainly wasn't the only time I saw Bill Clinton using cocaine. My sexual experience with Bill Clinton was extremely limited, in spite of the fact that I was a sex slave. It was my experience that Bill Clinton is bisexual, leaning far more towards a homosexual end. All I've ever seen him involved in was the homosexual activity, um, with very limited experience with him myself, whereas my experience was much more uh, prevalent with Hillary Clinton, because Hillary is also uh, bisexual, leaning more towards a homosexual end, and it was she who accessed my sex programming to fulfill her perversions. Around the same time, J. Bennett Johnston subjected me to some other mind manipulation that involved, instead of an occult theme, an alien theme. Now, these these, these guys who were, who were manipulating my mind and programming me for mind control purposes claimed, and these 
criminals in control of our country as well claim to be gods, demons, and aliens in order that I feel totally helpless, in order that I felt like they were beyond my realm to affect. And it certainly worked at that time. J. Bennett Johnston told me that he was an alien. He told me that he had been part of the Philadelphia experiment, and when the ship disappeared, it came back a spaceship. This is in keeping with kind of a, an air-water mirror theme that NASA uses quite frequently, a reversal, because, again, the subconscious mind doesn't have any reasoning capacity. J. Bennett Johnston then showed me his, his, general, his office at General Dynamics a then top secret stealth. Here was this triangular stealth that wasn't in any of the school books, wasn't being talked about anywhere, wasn't out in, in um, the newspapers or anything else. It was being withheld. It was still a, a top secret um, weapon system. But I saw this triangular stealth. It looked like a spaceship to me. I'd never seen anything like that. And everything that Jay Bennett Johnson was doing and he was involved in certainly was alien to me. So it was easy for me to accept the idea that what was happening was in fact being perpetrated by aliens. I'm not saying that there's no such thing as aliens. That, that would be foolish of me to even, even say anything like that at all. But what I am saying is that my, it was my experience that these were people claiming to be aliens. If, we, if there's a reality out there pertaining to any alien influence, we need to sort out the government misinformation and disinformation and mind manipulation techniques that they're using. I know for a fact that the plan is to make all of us feel totally helpless that what's happening is beyond our realm to affect because we've been taken over by aliens, that our Independence Day is dawning. So beware of that. Understand that those criminals have been keeping information and technology from us under their blanket of national security. They are 25 years ahead of us, at least technologically. Can you imagine what they've got now? 25 years ahead? What's happened? What's happened that you're aware of in the last 25 years? Microwave ovens, we've got uh, computerization, and they've had access to all of that to continue their, their own advancements. They're way ahead. So when they say, it's aliens, it's aliens, and they show us some incredible technology, into the trap of feeling totally helpless, that this is beyond our realm to affect. Superstition begins where knowledge leaves off. And they have been keeping knowledge from us for a long time. People have all kinds of belief systems. And I'm sure each and every one of you has various and different belief systems as well. Regardless of what your belief system is, it is imperative that you know that these criminals are people. They are within our realm to affect. They need to be held accountable for their actions and their crimes against humanity. Hello and welcome back. This is Waking Up With Mel and this is episode 18. 
We today are going to be talking about MK Ultra Mind Control. It is a government program. It's a real thing. In fact, I will read you what the government says about it. Um, I have to say that I've been trying to wake people up for a very, very long time. And I could show them like the video that if you Google Buzz Aldrin telling the He's actually told many people, but he one day the little this little girl says, "Hey Buzz, why didn't we go to the moon, or why haven't we gone back to the moon?" And he said, "Because we never went. It's all about money." He, and he tells this little girl that, and I showed that to somebody who believes we went to the moon, and they don't believe what they hear. So I understand it's hard to believe what I tell people. You know what I mean? And so that's why I play clips of people like Kathy O'Brien. That's why I start these podcasts with clips because it's, I want you to hear that it's not just my opinion. This, this is crazy what people have gone through. And I mean, Kathy was born in, I believe the fifties. She's talking in this clip that I just played for you guys in 1978. That's the year I was born. So 44 years have gone by with her trying to tell people, writing books, naming names, trying to live and not be murdered by these horrible people. And they're still over there. People still worship them. People, you know, it's so crazy to me. And I really, truly feel like the last, you know, since 2020 to 2023, people are finally waking up to how deep this is. But it's so deep that at many times I can barely handle it. And the reason being is because it's an attack on the children. I I figured out this week something that children are the closest you can get to God, right? They're so innocent. They're wonderful, perfect. They come straight from heaven to our arms. And for whatever reason, Satan wants to attack that God and the innocence of these children. And it, it's crazy how it's literally done through satanic ritual abuse. It, it, it's mind-blowing to me. And I've been thinking about all the stuff I've been seeing on Instagram lately about transgender, you know, babies. They're trying to say babies now can know if they're – babies can't even crawl. And they're trying to say they know their sexuality. And I really truly believe it's these people who are handling these kids – that have no love for them. They are literally satanic. Who knows how they got control of these kids? Maybe through the system of foster care. Maybe it's um, what Kathy's story is, is her dad it was a pedophile and from birth. She was horribly uh, molested by her own father. And not only did he do that to her, all her brothers and sisters and her. And she's very detailed and graphic about what he d did to her and mother too. I mean, they came from generations of pedophilia and he would film it and he would send it back then through the U S mail. Well, it got picked up and, um, instead of putting him in prison where he belonged and saving all these kids lives, the government sent him to Boston to learn how to break his children's minds, MK ultra. And, um, be controlled. And he got paid from the government at non high school graduate was given millions and millions of dollars. <laughs> Meanwhile, his daughter's over here speaking up for half her life after she was freed herself after she almost was murdered by these sick people. She writes books, she does all this stuff for years. And nobody even believes her because it's so horrible the things that happened to her. 
And one of the things that did happen to her that she talks about is she would be pregnant and these people would take her to clinics and these backwoods, like probably real doctors uh, and real doctor offices would murder her baby through abortion or if the baby was living it's just horrible things right and she's not the only person i've heard that say that so when i hear people say oh we're legalizing abortion to after birth okay one abortion you it's not called abortion after they're born it's called murder right <laughs> you can't change the name just because you, and it's not a woman's right to choose because they're not choosing the right of the child they're choosing their own right and they're they're bypassing the right of the innocent person inside of them and most of these people that choose that are really good-hearted people so it's like you're being lied to by these satanic evil people that this agenda is okay and now they've made it legal where they can take these I think, I think any woman in their right mind that has a baby and sees it would not want that baby murdered in front of them, okay? I mean, it's just insanity. And the only reason that could happen legally is to torture those women more, to mind control those women more because they're probably victims and now their baby's a victim too. That's my opinion. Don't come for me. And then another opinion I have is the same with these transgender sex changes with these little eight, nine, ten-year-olds. Those parents should be in, locked up and in prison because they're not parents. That's a criminal act and that should not be done. And those kids are most likely it, just like a Kathy O'Brien situation where she's trapped and she can't get out. And now they're taking her legally to a hospital, a children's hospital at that, and cutting her body parts down. Can you imagine what these kids are thinking? Like what has happened? Nobody's protecting them, not even doctors. Like this needs to stop and it needs to stop now in Jesus name. <sighs> and that's why I'm doing this podcast today. I'm sitting here doing this podcast today because I hate to see one innocent life hurt and people need to wake up and see that this isn't not an agenda of choice, especially on the child's behalf. It is a satanic agenda and they are after our children. Preach it, Mel, preach it. I am pissed about this. It's like not okay. So I want people to understand that this is real. And the Reagan-Bush administration was charged with trafficking children to the White House back in 1989. And people in 2023 are still thinking we got a Democrat and Republican and da-da-da-da-da. Do you understand, people that are listening to my podcast right now, that we sh a democracy is not what, what we are. We are a republic. And that's probably why they took the whole pledge allegiance out of school to the republic for which it stands y'all we don't want a democracy we do we don't want that and we don't want to fight between republicans and democrats because they're the same people and that's why god chose trump and that's why the media hates him and that's why people need to wake up and see that he is not on the same team he might have been a brother he might have been in the masons whatever but i do not believe he got deep you guys got to understand that whole thing. I'll do a podcast about that eventually. So let's talk about the George Bush administration and their, their sex traffic. I'm going to read this. This is from the AP News, June 29th, 1989. Political figures linked to male prostitute rink, Washington. An aide to Labor Secretary Elizabeth Doyle resigned Thursday in the midst of fraud investigations centering on the alleged homosexual prostitute ring. U.S. Attorney Jay Steffens confirmed the investigation 
to alleged credit card duplicate billing after the Washington Times reported that the ring was patronized by the Reagan-Bush administration's officials, congressional aides, and one of its own former editors. Okay, I don't want to keep reading this because they're just going to say um, it's alleged this and that, right? Well, I'm going to now play you a testimony from a child that was there watching these poor little kids, okay? Because people have been speaking up, and you know what happens? They die. They die. And MKUltra is real. Mind control is real. And you know how real it is? The whole world's been under it. It went from, like, individuals to Kathy, you know, people like that, to the media. And now the whole world has been programmed to think they're all going to die. You need to wear a mask. Stay six feet away. Six, six, six. Stay six feet away from people. Oh, let's put the stickers on the floor. Here's the dots where to stand. Be good, little kids. Listen, listen. You know how many families and friends were broken up in 2020 because you either didn't buy the mind control or, or you did? And I remember so many people I talked to that I thought were above programming, programmed right into it, putting the mask right on their little babies, walking around the store. You ask them why. I just want to do it for other. I'm like, oh, are you kidding me? All of a sudden, we're all walking germs? Like, what? what happened to common sense? I was reading a conversation I had back in 2020 when I said, guys, don't give up your civil liberties. Don't wear these masks. And I was attacked. And one lady said, and she spelt it wrong, do you need to be educated? Or what's your education level? I'm like, girl, <laughs> you're really going to go there? Okay. Like, ugh, it's just, and, and learn, you know, if you're going to say, what's my education level, you should probably spell education, right? Like, come on now. Can't, I can't. But it's all stems back, like I said at the beginning of this podcast, to children. It's an attack on our children. And if we wake up, which we will, I walked around in August of 2020 with a sign that said, the real pandemic is not COVID. It is the child sex trafficking. And it is so deep. It's through Hollywood. It's through the gut. It's, I mean, you, you heard her. You heard Kathy tell you. But let's hear another person tell you what his story was. As always, I will leave uh, the full links to the description so you can cut and paste them and listen to these whole clips. You really should. This is a two-hour, 41-minute documentary called The Conspiracy of Silence. And again, I'll put the clip. You can find it on Rumble. And this was banned on TV because it would have woke too many people up back in the early 90s, I believe. It was about to go on there, and they pulled it. I believe it was the Discovery Channel. Lawrence E. King is serving a 15-year prison sentence for a multi-million dollar fraud. But financial crime is only half the story. This is the true story of Lawrence King. It is the story of an evil at the heart of America, of a cover-up at the highest level. One man is attempting to uncover the full story. John DeCamp is among the most highly decorated Vietnam veterans. A former Republican state senator in Lincoln, Nebraska, he is now a lawyer fighting the legacy of Lawrence King's evil network. It's a web of intrigue that starts in our holy of holies, Boys Town, Nebraska, one of the most respected institutions in the United States, and spreads out like a spider web to Washington, D.C., right up to the steps of the nation's capital, the steps of the White House, involves some of the most respected and powerful and richest businessmen in this United States of America. And the centerpiece of the entire web 
is the use of children for sex and drug dealing and drug couriers, the compromising of politicians, the compromising of businessmen, but worst of all, the corruption of key institutions of government that have the duty and responsibility to make sure these things never happen. The world-famed Boy Town is in the news again. Made famous by an Oscar-winning film, Boys Town, Nebraska is America's favorite children's charity. It was founded in 1917 by Father Edward Flanagan. practical and outpost of life is the neglected, unwanted, and unloved boy who has become a serious problem in our society. Boys Town was started to uh, be a home for orphans. That was after World War One. And uh, since then, society has changed, and the problems of boys have changed. And so now, uh, it's a question of taking care of uh, homeless, uh, abandoned, neglected, uh, abused boys, and now girls also. And we'll keep abusing them. With cash reserves of $500 million, Boys Town is the richest square mile in the world. It has been granted the privileges of an incorporated town, a Catholic diocese, and a school district for 500 boys and girls. One third of its annual income is raised from public donations, solicited by begging letters and promotional videos. I found out being a caretaker of Father Flanagan's dream, an executive director of Boys Town. Does Boys Town really exist, people ask me? You bet it does. One-time leader of the National Black Republican Council, Larry King. Larry King was the fastest rising black star in the entire Republican Party of the United States during all of the 1980s. And he was also one of the most evil individuals in this country in terms of being a dealer of children, in terms of being a thief, 40 million that they documented he stole, and in terms of using and compromising and corrupting one after another politicians. The base for his network was a small people's bank in Omaha, Nebraska, the Franklin Federal Credit Union. Larry King was its general manager. And there's another documentary uh, called The Franklin Cover-Up as well um, that talks about this. It's it's so deep. And I, I'm going to play one more testimony of just one of the kids that was there at the White House. Um, you know that was trafficked and watch what I think he names George Bush I'm pretty sure but like I said all these kids that spoke up either the court system went against them and and charged them with lying to the courts and locked them up or um like one kid died here in New Mexico running it was so sad I'll play his story too it's just crazy and he was part of all of this it's just crazy and I just wish people would wake up and I know a lot goes on here in New Mexico I cannot wait for it to be exposed. And according to the prophecy that I just listened to from Julie Green, it is going to get exposed. And I'm just ready. I'm ready. Despite the investigation, Larry King remained free to feed his pedophilic parties with child victims. But in 1988, a routine review brought the Boys Town cases to the attention of Nebraska's State Foster Care Review Board. And the information presented to the Foster Care Review Board, either via the telephone reports, the personal reports, or 
the reports we reviewed, uh, Larry King's name was consistently present as someone that the youth were making allegations against. I mean, I turned that information over to authorities, and nothing happened. I would say we handed over at least a foot high um, amount of material. Generally speaking, uh, the allegations were ignored. Omaha police now accept that Larry King may have been abusing children. Good morning, Roberta. But if the senior detective claims he never received any evidence. It is certainly possible that Mr. King was involved in illegal acts with children. Uh, if there was sufficient evidence, evidence of those types of allegations, he would have been prosecuted by the county attorney's office. For me, it was very clear that the case was not investigated and not pursued because of the alleged perpetrators. Ring of rich and powerful pedophiles in Omaha. Men from industry, politics, the media even the police. Besides Larry King, ringleaders were department store billionaire Alan Baer, and the celebrity columnist of the Omaha World Herald newspaper, Peter Citron. With the judicial system apparently paralyzed, Larry King's political and business empire grew. He courted the Republican Party nationally and plundered Franklin's accounts to finance a luxury lifestyle of limousines, private planes, and palatial homes. Three in Omaha and one in Washington, D.C. was constantly heralded, cheered, applauded in the news media as the great businessman that's helping the poor people, the black community of Omaha. Uh, prominent people in Omaha and elsewhere that were abusing children at, uh, at parties. The prominent citizens' uh, names um, that originally came up uh, were uh, a concern to me because I knew many of those individuals and uh, I very frankly was shocked to have those names show up on the list. Ormiston and Caradori recorded their new witnesses on videotape. A victim of abuse since he was eight, Paul Vanassi was present at many of Larry King's sex parties. Who were some of these people that would come to these parties? Media personality Peter Citron procured some of his victims from Boys Town. The kids he liked were mainly around the age of uh, probably about 8 and 13. And mainly uh, fondly in oral sex with him. He did have some anal sex, but he usually did that with the older kids. But Citron's abuse of Paul Benassi involved ever more sadistic parties. Sorry about the audio, it's horrible.
was 17 when he was introduced to the pedophile parties by Alan Bear. That's the boy that was killed in New Mexico. They gave her perjury. things, hot things, you know, poked at you and stuck in you, you know, 
got somebody, I don't clearly remember who it was, uh, and I wanted to see how strong a man we were or something, you know, and have us push our arms together. And, and you push your arms together, then he has, King has these same scars. And you push them tight together, and then you light cigarettes, and as soon as they get burned, you just drop them down between your arms, and, you know, let it, let it burn. You know, and they made us stand there naked and touch each other by holding our arms together and burn cigarettes for, you know, it's on film someplace. I mean, they filmed it, burning, you know. And those of us that didn't like to be involved and didn't want to be involved were threatened. Because... I don't And who would do these threatening remarks? Larry King. Um, you think Larry King personally did? Well, I think he did. And when they threatened, you know, that I can go find somebody that will kill you, and it will kill your family, um, he didn't tell anybody. Larry King was also here, and he came here, and uh, we drank and did cocaine, and I didn't do much, and so he turned me on to a Larry King bitch. He didn't like me because, you know, I would... I would get high on drugs, you know, and I would question him about it, you know, how can you, you do that? I mean, once I asked him, you know, he wanted me to shit on him, you know, and I, you know, and I did but gladly, you know, I mean, you know, I even said to him, you know, you stupid fucker, you know, I mean, I just said, you're paying me money, how can you get into that, you know, and I, I got, you know, beat up by it. I came home here a lot of times, beat the shit from, you know, misspeaking my tongue, so to speak, and, you know, just telling him how I felt sometimes. Drugs was a, a strong part of uh, how they got control of some of the kids because that's what some of the kids were there to get. They would uh, do the sexual uh, acts and then be provided with uh, cocaine or uh, whatever type of drug they wanted. Heroin, you know, I don't, I don't know, but that was my, my drug of choice. Yeah. Till this day, I remain an addict, you know. Larry King was, I would say, the center of transporting the children around the country. The, the airplanes were usually um, in his name, at least in his name. They were paid for by Larry King. We met them in Pasadena. Met who in Pasadena? We met Larry King was there. There was... Um, Three boys that I had seen at one of the receptions at the country club were there, and I was positive they were both ten boys. I was positive. Um, they were there. You mean graduates and boys from a present? That didn't do a present because they were young. Well, how would they get away for a long time? I had no idea. Boys Town uh, came up frequently during the investigation, but we found it very difficult to get information about Boys Town. I was not able to find any information on my visit there, and Mr. Uh, Caridori could not get information either. The videotaped testimony was leaked to a hostile media. The media immediately started discrediting the witnesses. They were, um, the witnesses came across in the media, in the Omaha World Herald, especially as the criminals. The last three victim witnesses were demolished by the press, particularly the Omaha World Herald. The paper never looked for information that would support any of the allegations. 
the whole purpose of the stories were to, was to destroy any credibility that these youth may have. I've heard that people said that Gary Caradori coached me and uh, that he told me what to say, but the fact was I didn't meet Gary Caradori until way after I'd already talked to the Omaha police about the abuse and had named all the same people. And they didn't ask me very much about Larry King or, uh, or even uh, Alan Bear at all. They treated the allegations that I made about, the, about the people who abused me almost like a joke. The information did not come our way. It was given, as I said, to the FBI and Nebraska State Patrol. They conducted their own investigations of the information. Troy Bonner was brought in for questioning by the FBI. The FBI's attitude was, you know, just no. This, these kind of things don't happen. From the first interview when I went, you know, and realized they don't believe a fucking thing I'm saying, you know, I mean, they are, I mean, they, they were just appalled, but I realized what that, that look in their eye was back then, it was fear. It was fear of, you know, I mean, I had witnessed, you know, firsthand things that would, you know, destroy this city, you know, people, a position, you know what I mean? It's not going to be believed, believed, they said. It will not be believed. You will be found guilty of perjury. And you, I mean, they weren't telling me maybe. You know, they were saying, uh-uh, it's, you're not, it, there's no way. You're going, you go on with the story, you're going to jail. I mean, that was said to me direct. Just out of fear, I came to recant the story out of fear. Troy Bonner agreed to recant his videotaped testimony and state instead that his evidence had been invented. Next, the FBI used Troy in an attempt to trap Alicia Owen into recanting her evidence about Larry King's ring of powerful pedophiles. The phone call, recorded by the FBI on March the 9th, 1990, proves conclusive evidence for John DeCamp. This is Special Agent Michael F. Mott. The following will be a consensually recorded telephone call between Troy Bonner and Alicia Owen. I'm not going to play the whole, whole phone call because it's kind of long and it's hard to hear. And again, you can go listen to it yourself by hearing this whole documentary. So do yourself a favor and go check this documentary out. Well, let's finish it off with these last few parts I want to play. And then I, I found this interview of Paul Balanucci. I know I'm saying his name wrong, so I'm going to spell it. But I found an interview with him exposing what he saw with Bush. Okay, so let's finish the documentary, and then I'll play that interview. And then I'm going to read you what MK Ultra is, and then we're going to pray over our minds, and I wish you all a good night. Indefensible from my point of view. In July 1991, Alicia Owen was convicted of perjury. Her sentence was between 9 and 25 years. I can't find a case in the history of this country where some kid got sentenced to 25 or 30 years in prison for something like this. If you were going to pick a, a, what I call a tell sign, something that says something species about the whole thing, it was in the sentencing itself. 
For some reason, they had to send a signal to every kid who was a potential witness. My opinion again. A signal so loud and clear, if you dare to come forward, if you dare to talk, watch what happens. Three months later, Larry King was jailed for the $40 million fraud. He was given a 15-year sentence, 10 years less than Alicia Owen. Man fighting to help Larry King's victims. He's become the lawyer for Paul Benassi and Alicia Owen. Benassi. I live in Nebraska. Hell, I was born here, raised here. I have four kids growing up here. Like it or not, it's my heritage, you know? Well, if it's a dirty cesspool that I gotta live in or look back on that I left, that ain't good. The real cost, if I were gonna say to my family, has been the fear and intimidation that's put in some of the kids. A couple of the kids are really, really frightened and uh, uh, really had some sleeping problems over, you know, here, this or that. So that, that's been the real concern I've had. In the face of mysterious threats, John has turned for advice to his friend and one-time boss, former head of the CIA, Bill Colby. Uh, old Bill Colby told me better than anything. The, the one thing that uh, the bad people can't afford is publicity and, and knocking you off right now or doing something obvious to, to one of your kids uh, would bring them more trouble than it's worth. I said, you, you have to consider the possibility of some danger to not only your reputation, but to your person. I mean, there are, people do react rather violently to some kinds of charges, or particularly if they're true, there's more apt to be a negative reaction than if they're false. If they're false charges, then they can be reacted to in a normal way, a libel suit or whatever. But uh, a true, if there's truth in it, there can be a danger in that situation. We've seen that happen in other cases. Okay, so this last interview I'm going to play you guys is from the Paul, and I still can't say his name right, but you heard it. You heard it. Correctly pronounced. So here's his interview, and... This is with a guy named Ted Gunderson, G-U-N-D-E-R-S-O-N. He interviewed him twice, and those interviews are, I've been taking notes and doing some more research, and it's like blowing my mind. But anyways, he, this boy um, was part, Paul, was part of the kidnapping of Johnny Gosh, who I talked about in a prior episode, if you didn't catch that. I think it was one of my first episodes. But anyways... Let's listen to what he has to say about good old George Bush. Yeah. Did you, did you recognize any of the politicians? I don't recognize too many of them. I didn't ask who they were. The only ones I really knew was uh, Spuds, a guy named Gall. Did you recognize, uh, aside from the fact that you had sex with some of these politicians, at some of these parties, did you recognize any prominent senators or congressmen? Even though well, you may not have had sex with them. A lot of the parties I went to with uh, King had proud people because in Washington, D.C., when I went down there, you guys had parties. At the beginning of the party, had a lot of young, what young guys thought that were servers. And sometimes service staff, sometimes you'd be up in the background, you'd be walking around parties. So nothing was to take place then. After the party was over, the 
ones that were involved with him are ones that he was trying to get political favors from that won whatever they wanted. They would stay or they'd come in after the party was over or the next day. See, so at the party, nothing even abnormal. I mean, if somebody was in there and stuff, they'd see no abnormal activities going on. So they would, you know, honestly be able to say that. You know, I've been to the parties, but I've never seen anything. So, but I've seen uh, some parties down in Washington. I've seen President Bush there. Which I'm really not talking about here. What, what, wait a minute, what year was that? Was he president was or vice president? president? That's when he was still vice president. I've never met him as president because he became president in 88 and I never went around him. After that. You saw him at how many of these parties? I seen him at about three or four parties. And at every one of the parties, I had to, you had a little ID card that you had to have. And they had a little scanner thing. And when you went in, they brought it across this thing to get in there and stuff. They had special, they had uh, special agents everywhere, secret servicemen everywhere and stuff. And I fell off the balcony of the place. They had a little window and stuff. I was sitting on there. I fell off. Didn't get hurt. I got up. But I dropped my car. And I had secret servicemen with about 500 guns pointing, you know, about 20 guns pointed at my head when I tried to go back in. Until our team came over and straightened it out that he belongs in here. You know, and I, that was kind of a spooky thing when you have all those guns pointing Kids what? Front row sex on the moon. 
well, personal men, because they had bodies by God, and they had um, all that kind of stuff down there. Did you ever see Bush in Omaha? Um, no, I've never seen him in Omaha. I've never been there. Yeah. And I knew uh, a guy that I, that gave us a trip to the White House one night, and that was a guy named Jerry Spence. He gave you a trip to the White House? Out. Yeah, it took me and a bunch of other boys to, for a tour through the White House. And when was that? Well, it actually happened about six or seven times. Did you have somebody that had very The upper rooms where supposedly nobody goes. So that is a two-hour interview with that sweet little boy back then. Now he's a grown man, hopefully still alive. The last I did research on him was probably 10 years ago, and I think he was married with kids in Colorado, which is great. But ugh, what people go through, it blows my mind. So the last thing I want to read you guys is what MK Ultra is and how it started. And then let's pray over our minds because nobody needs to be have mind control. None of us. Okay, so what I'm about to read you might hurt your heart because it hurts mine. And it is a... It's from the CIA themselves, and it's called Project MKUltra, the CIA's Program of Research and Behavioral Modification, joint hearing before the Select Committee of Intelligence and the Subcommittee of Health and Scientific Research of the Committee of Human Resources, United States Senate, 95th Congress, first session, August 3rd, 1977. Okay, I don't know how to pronounce this right because, you know, I'm not good at that. A-N-K-A-R-A, Ankara. In 1954, a prison doctor in the South U.S. state of Kentucky isolated seven black inmates and fed them a double, triple, and quadruple doses of the drug LSD for 77 days straight. They may have died without knowing that they were part of the CIA's highly secretive program to develop ways to control minds. A program based out of little-known army based with a dark past, 50 miles, 80 kilometers from Washington in Maryland, the town of Frederick, writes author Stefan Kinzer, formerly based in Turkey, who investigated the ultra-secret project. Exactly 69 years ago, April 13, 1953, so not anymore, 69 years ago, now it's been longer, then CIA director Alan Doolis launched the psychedelic mind control program codenamed MKUltra to manipulate the mental states and brain functions of an individual by convert injections of high doses of psychedelic psychiatric substances and other chemicals Wow! testifying before the US Joint Senate Committee in 1977 CIA director Stanfield Turner admitted that the project injected to in oh not injected because they did that a lot but not here they intended to study the use of biological and chemical materials in altering human behavior MKUltra was preceded by two drug-related experiments, Project Bluebird and Project Artichoke. Okay, so this article goes on, but basically this started from these German doctors that did horrible experiments in World War II, in the Holocaust, and all that stuff. And the U.S. 
brought them over via the CIA and put them and let them have their their hands all over our children. And it needs to stop. And not only is the mind control gone on since then, it's gone on in so many different ways. And now there's different sectors. So there's like uh, the mind control, they call it like beta this and delta that. And they have all different names. And there's ones that are programmed for like sex kittens and girls to be like sexy little kittens. And I mean, you guys, if you've never researched MK Ultra, it's deep. It's not, it doesn't go now to just one little thing. It's, it's deep. It's like, oh, we're going to, we have this section, this section, this section, uh, Project Monarch. I mean, there's so many and they're all documented. It's a freaking crazy, <laughs> but it is real. And I hope people wake up and that's why I do this podcast. So thank you guys so much for this beautiful, glorious ability to talk, to, to just tell people what we know, how we know it, and not feel crazy for telling people. There's so many times, God, that I just am like, man, why am I doing this? And you just keep pushing me along. And I thank you for that. And I thank you for the people that choose to listen to this podcast and download this podcast and share this podcast. And I thank you for the people that actually truly listen. I ask that you just give them the knowledge that surpasses any wisdom that any professor may have, but you give them the knowledge of God because you are God and you're amazing and I love you in Jesus' holy name. Amen.